Good evening. Good evening. Man. Turn over to First John. If you're trying to find it in your Bible, it's not the first John you come to, but the second John. Hope that helps. <laughs> So I I realized today as I was cutting down um, some past sermons to put up on the website that it's been three weeks since the last time we went through this, um, that we started this. I don't think that was my intention, but um, here we are. Um, And so the last time we were together um, looking at 1 John, we were looking at chapter 1, and we were looking at the first four verses, and we discussed the eyewitness testimony of the apostles and the relevance of um, that it held. And the reasons that we discussed, and let's just go ahead and read these four verses again just to refresh our memory. Um, starting in verse 1. <clears throat> that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we looked upon and have touched with our hands concerning the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it, and testify to it, and proclaim to you the eternal life which was with the Father and was made manifest to us, that which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. And we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. So, the reasons we discussed previously as to why their eyewitness testimony is relevant and why we should listen to it, Um, They heard the Lord. They were eyewitnesses of Jesus and His ministry. They heard His teachings. They saw the Lord. They saw, of course, Him in the person. They also saw His miracles, uh, His authority, His demeanor, His compassion, um, a lot of things that they were witnesses to. Um, The third thing that we talked about was that they looked upon the Lord, um, meaning that it was more than just seeing Him, but they came to know who He was, um, not just what he looked like, right? Who he was as a person. Um, they use, and we talked about the word that is used there for looked upon, that uh, it was a careful observation or investigation. Um, and through that, they came to know that Jesus was the Son of God. And so these things uh, were all things that were important to John's audience to thwart those false teachings of Gnosticism that we talked about um, four weeks ago. Um, But uh, these were the things that the people were dealing with, and of course what John was trying to overcome with with these writings. And these were teachings that claimed that Jesus was merely a man, that he was not deity. Um, And another false teaching that that the Gnostics um, pushed was to say that Jesus was not flesh at all, which is seemingly the complete opposite of the first, that he was man and not deity. But, of course, some would say, well... I disagree with that. I saw the miracles that he performed. And then so they would come up with a new teaching, which was that he was not actually flesh at all, but he was just spirit form. Um, and that brings us to uh, our last eyewitness testimony uh, that John presents to help correct false teaching. Um, and again, it's this one is in verse 1. Um, they have heard, they have seen with our eyes, they have looked upon, and they have touched with our hands. 
During his time on the earth, the apostles had many opportunities to physically touch Jesus. Um, you can imagine, you know, sitting around the table at the Last Supper, um, you know, holding hands, saying a prayer. We don't know if they did that or not for sure, but they passed the bread around. I'm sure that, you know, people came into contact with them, right? Um, and so because they have physically touched Jesus, of course, Thomas physically touched Jesus. We have documentation of that. He physically touched the wounds that Jesus had. They could testify with complete confidence that Jesus was a human being and that he was not just a spirit that looked like a man. He was the physical son of Mary. He was a man with flesh and blood because he died on a cross and he shed that blood. His flesh was pierced. If Jesus wasn't a man, I still don't understand how this teaching held any water because the man went up on a cross and he was physically manhandled Man is in that word by the Romans. Uh, He was punished and whipped and beaten. Um, Most uh, most authorities uh, concede that it was John himself, (coughs) excuse me, who leaned on Jesus' bosom at the Last Supper. Um, John talks about that in John 13, verse 23. Jesus was flesh and bones just like all of us. And so when the apostles touched Jesus, it provided them with sufficient proof that He was born in the flesh. Jesus did not just appear to be human. He really was born with flesh and bones. However, He was also the only Son of God, as John details in John 1, verse 14. That distinction made Jesus a unique, one-of-a-kind human being. Nobody like Him. He is God's only begotten Son. So when Jesus made his first appearance to the apostles after his resurrection from the dead, Thomas, who I just mentioned, was not there. He was not there when Jesus first appeared to them. And so because of that, he did not believe. And according to Mark chapter 16, verse 13, they all had a difficult time believing that Jesus really did rise from the dead, and they all needed proof. Uh, On his second appearance to the apostles, the doubter, Mr. Thomas, was there this time. And Jesus commanded him, he said, Put your finger here and see my hands, and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. And Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. John chapter 20, verses 27 through 28. Can you see how Thomas's reply there is a testimony to Christ's deity? I mean, there's a lot there in just the words that, that Thomas says, my Lord and my God, after physically touching him, a man who was hung up on a cross, was crucified, but yet was standing in front of him, his wounds still open, not bleeding apparently, but his wounds still open, enough that Thomas could touch. Of course, <clears throat> Jesus also appeared uh, to several disciples by the seaside in the book of Luke. Uh, those present thought they were seeing a spirit, right? But Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verses 38 through 39, He says, Why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? See my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Touch me and see. For a spirit does not have flesh and bones, as you see that I have. <clears throat> Their conviction, the apostles' conviction and the disciples' convictions, were based upon solid evidence that could not be disputed. They physically touched Jesus, and they physically touched the resurrected Jesus. Now, if that doesn't say deity, I don't know what does.
Now, that was the last evidence that John presents. The next thing that John talks about was this principle of uh, the word of life made manifest. Look at verse 2 here. The life was made manifest. Um, Other versions say the word of life. The life was made manifest, and we have seen it and testified to it and proclaimed to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and was made manifest to us. The word manifest there is a Greek word that means to make openly known. Okay? So John is telling us that it can be openly known that Jesus is the word of life. It's not a secret. Everybody should know it. God the Father made it known to the apostles. And he did so by thoroughly investigating the apostles' claims. uh, I'm sorry, by thoroughly investigating the apostles' claims about Jesus, the truth about Jesus' deity and the word, uh, the truth can be clearly seen. The result of believing the truth about Jesus is the victory that we spoke of Um, in our last uh, topic on um, Revelation, of course, what we talked about this morning, too, the, the end game, right? Death is conquered. That's the victory. That's the victory that we all look forward to. And, of course, the gift of eternal life uh, for all who obey Him. Um, Look at verses 3 through 4 here. That which we have seen and heard we proclaim also to you, so that you too may have fellowship with us, and indeed our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ. We are writing these things to you so that our joy may be complete. The message that the apostles uh, proclaimed not only gave believers an opportunity to obtain eternal life, but it also provided them fellowship with the Father. It provided fellowship with His Son, and it provided fellowship with the apostles as well. And we can rightly assume that all faithful believers share this same fellowship. And we'll discuss this topic of fellowship uh, in more detail in a few weeks as we go through these these letters of John. When John wrote this, he says that he did so so that his joy may be complete, to give complete joy. Um, This verse contains the first of five purpose statements that are found in 1 John. The first purpose is to receive complete joy. We know that's the purpose because that's what he says, right? This is why we're writing this. This is why I'm writing this to you so that our joy may be complete. And it's evident from the Bible that joy does not depend on outward circumstances. Uh, we kind of touched on that this morning in our Bible class. Um, but Paul wrote to the brethren in the church at Philippi um, from prison, no less. Uh, he told them that he prayed for them with joy, Philippians 1 verse 4. And he also wrote in Philippians 4 verse 4, he said, Rejoice always, and again I will say rejoice. But yet he was sitting in prison. An encouraging word from faithful brethren is always a source of joy. And that's, that's our basis for the, our, our morning Bible class. Um, it brings joy um, to everyone who's concerned. And we talked about that this morning as well. When we help others, not only are they receiving joy from receiving that help, but we, we receive joy in giving help as well. Um, it encourages both parties. Um, and so, in this case, for John, that's true for both the writer and the recipients of the letter. He's receiving joy. His joy may be complete because he is sharing that joy. 
And those who are receiving it, of course, they're receiving that gift as well. And so the, the epistle of 1 John was written so that our joy may be complete. And so next time, next, uh, yeah, next week, um, we're going to look at 1 John chapter 1, verses 5 through verse 2 of chapter 2. Why are, you, why are you bringing it up there? That's weird. I know. I get to teach it, so I have to break it up so it makes sense, right? Um, and so this, this section um, talks about um, walking in the light. And the, the topic kind of ends in verse 2. So uh, we'll look at that next week. Um, but as an encouragement for those that are here tonight that may need to respond to the Lord's invitation, you know, there's always the question that, has to begin the conversation. Do you believe? Right? That's the Apostle John obviously believed. He believed that Jesus was the Son of God, and he believed that Jesus died for our sins. He believed it because he saw it. And now we have his words um, that encourage us to do the same. Um, If you need to make the decision tonight to be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, we're here to help you with that. Uh, And of course, if we can assist you uh, with any other need, now is also the time that you can come forward while we stand and sing.